Welcome to Yimby Nation, a podcast exploring U.S. housing and the roadblocks to building more equitable neighborhoods. Join Jimmy, Peter, and V as they, and special guests, offer their unique perspectives on building more diverse communities and addressing the social problems that emanate from the lack of decent, safe, and affordable housing. Our hosts have served in the fields of advocacy and nonprofit, public, and private development, and are driven by their passion for community empowerment. Join the conversation and share your thoughts on social using hashtag NimbyNation. We are excited to introduce the Yembi Nation podcast, where we will be exploring U.S. housing policies and pathways to building more equitable neighborhoods. Yembi Nation will focus on the nuts and bolts of affordable housing development, and more importantly, the socioeconomic issues related to affordable housing, such as poverty, eviction, employment, supportive services, education, and healthcare. With me are my co-hosts, Jimmy Miller and Peter Wood. Jimmy is the CEO of Sensor Consulting, and Peter is the CEO of Collaborative Development Consulting and a partner in Silver Development. I am Vicentia Duce, CEO of Vase Management, better known as V. All three of us have always loved to talk about our passions for what we do, the lives we affect, and the people we encounter. We hope you will learn about the roadblocks to developing affordable housing, and at the same time, be reminded in some way of a story about yourself, because when that happens, change is possible. So Jimmy, tell us, what inspired you to get into housing development? Well, those of us who know me have heard my story probably way too many times for me to to count. I grew up in Alabama, was born in 1952, so I grew up in the in the Jim Crow era, white only movie theaters, white only uh, toilets, white only uh, schools, separate but equal. I grew up in two bedroom house with eight people. I grew up in a small town, an all black town, and I witnessed a lot of poverty. That inspired me as, as a small child to want to do something. And I always said that as I got older and I was able to do something, I wanted to give back. I wanted to help people who were suffering the same conditions that I was suffering uh, when I grew up. I wouldn't want anyone else to grow up in the same lack of uh, poor housing, not the best schools, not the best roads, not the best uh, grocery stores. I want people to be able to achieve their full potential. And I, I believe that your background, the things that you've accomplished, helping thousands of families with housing, it does make a lot of sense. You've achieved so much in this housing market just by I've seen residents come up to you, thank you for all the great things that you've done. So your story is truly amazing, and I can't wait to learn more about it. Tell us a bit about your, your professional life as well. My professional life, uh, whew, I've been involved in, uh, in housing and community development for more than 45 years, although I'm only about 46 years old. So I am currently the head of a Sincere Consulting. It's a small development consulting firm. 
and uh, involved in helping uh, municipalities and housing authorities and nonprofits, helping them improve their organization, helping municipalities improve their communities, and helping improve the lives of uh, families. And before I uh, was, was head of Sincere, I was the vice president and chief of staff at Florida A&M University. We call it FAMU. And before FAMU, I headed up the uh, New Haven Housing Authority, which is now known as Elm City's Community. I was the interim executive director for the Bridgeport Housing Authority and the Insonia Housing, Author- Housing Authority simultaneously. I have been lucky enough and been able to be in the positions to be able to help develop more than 12,000 units of affordable housing at a cost of uh, over $3 billion. That is amazing. I know that you have so many wonderful stories to share over the course of our podcast. So thank you. Peter, please tell us about your background. Sure. Similar to Jimmy, I grew up in the 60s and went to college in the early 70s. And, you know, there was a lot of, it was an era of a lot of social change. And I was very much affected by that. And the social injustices that were being raised both on a local and national level. I was a conscientious objector to war and was very much involved in the anti-war movement in the late 60s and early 70s. And while I was at college, organized a fast a hunger fast to raise money for an international hunger organization called CROP. So I've always had, you know, a desire to try and make the world a better place. After college, I got involved in a community organization where I was assisting with the fundraising to fund a community organizing staff in North Carolina that eventually expanded throughout the Southeast. And we eventually merged with ACORN, which did community organizing across the country through the 70s, 80s, and 90s into the uh, early 2000s. I got my housing start working with ACORN in New York. I was asked to assist in organizing a group of squatters who'd taken over in-rim buildings that were city-owned and basically helped them become legal homesteaders and eventually become owners of those units by setting up a limited equity co-op through which, you know, 180 units of housing in East New York eventually became included. In Connecticut, I began my career here in the early 90s. I was brought in as the founding executive director of Mutual Housing Association of Southwestern Connecticut and led the organization to do housing development in Stamford, Bridgeport, and Trumbull. And after some years of working with mutual housing, I was asked to work with Beacon Communities undertaking a a Hope 6 redevelopment in Stamford and and work on that project for uh, about eight years with Beacon. Then eventually also joined Michael's Development Company, where Jimmy and I worked together on another large public housing redevelopment project in the West Rock neighborhood of New Haven. So I've always wanted to make a difference in people's lives and have found that housing is such a crucial area that affects families on so many levels. And, you know, we've all been to groundbreakings and, you know, shared the joy of people moving into these beautiful new apartments, they pinch themselves, they never could believe they would live in. And that's just so gratifying. 
That's amazing. That's amazing, Peter. And I, I'm, it's, it's nice to see the team working together. I know that um, you and Jimmy have worked on um, a number of projects in New Haven, and I've had the opportunity to work with both of you at one point on a much smaller scale, but it was always a pleasure working with both of you, and I'm glad to be working with you again on this um, podcast that we have. Likewise, V. So tell us a little about yourself. What got you involved in wanting to do a podcast about housing? Why did I get involved in a podcast? <laughs> well, well, I have to go back and say I did not grow up in the 60s, unfortunately. Would have been nice to grow up in the 60s with you guys. <laughs> but I did grow up in Ghana, West Africa. I grew up in a construction family, and I just loved to see my family when I was growing up go out there in the communities, improve it, building, and just seeing how communities transform by opening up to new people, new developments. I always wanted to see what it would be like to, to do something like that. Um, when I grew up, I saw the joy in my family as they did that. I also uh, saw my family you know, grow up in, um, in a, a very new, newly nation in Ghana and just seeing how hard they worked and the opportunities that were provided to them just by being allowed to go into different places. You know, Jimmy mentioned earlier that he grew up um, in a time where there were whites only and blacks only, separate but equal. And I couldn't imagine living in that time. I grew up in Ghana, and as I mentioned, we were more of a community, and the community was, was inclusive. And I felt like that was a big part of who I am now and, and why I love this podcast so much, because Yembi Nation, yes, in my backyard, it's about inclusion, it's about diversity, it's about bringing people together. And as we mentioned earlier, that change is always going to be for the better. So right now, as I am um, a developer, which is allowing me to do my passion, bringing in the construction, but also more importantly, going into these neighborhoods and making it better. And I only hope by me doing that little part, it can change. And I think we can all imagine that if everyone was doing a little bit of that, that essentially would change the world. So that is why I love EMB Nation. I love the fact that we can use this platform to change people's mind, to get people to be open about what is going on and the need for more housing and be open to opening up their neighborhood for all, all types of diversity people to move in. So EMB Nation, I think for those that are listening to this for the very first time, might not know what it is about. So Peter, do you want to do the honors? Sure, I'll take a first cut at it. I think most people are familiar with NIMBY and NIMBYism, which is not in my backyard. And it's a, it's a reaction that we've seen really all over the country to efforts to create affordable housing or even mixed income communities in suburban areas, in any kinds of more affluent areas. There have been a lot of efforts to use zoning to keep people out of suburban communities. And that's, that's what we call the not in my backyard effect. There's actually also been some beginning efforts in some cities around the country to instill a yes in my backyard mentality. I, I know there have been some, some communities like that in New York, I think in Seattle and San Francisco. And it's, a, it's just turning that concept on its head and saying, you know, what is it that we can do to help 
people better understand the value of diverse communities, economically, racially, how that builds strength in our communities and why that's a good thing for not only the people moving into communities that previously were, were more exclusive, but also to the people that live there. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can use this forum to educate people more about all of the benefits that come with bringing more diverse communities together. Jimmy, I know you and I have worked on a, a project in New Haven where we met the NIMBY reaction. What's, what's your feeling about how we can use this forum to help influence how people see housing? I'm glad you brought up the issue of uh, NIMBY. I, we, I said we worked on the uh, Brookside development out in the West Rock community of uh, New Haven. And I drove by there a couple of uh, days ago and I was trying to remember what it looked like 2010. And I couldn't, there was such a transformation that I couldn't even remember what it looked like, Peter. And then I saw uh, five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds, they were riding on their bikes and I was overwhelmed. And then people came out of their apartments and they remembered me and I was literally brought to uh, tears. And then I, I, there was the street there that was named after me and people were talking about the street and I was showing my kids the street that was named after me. And it was just truly, it was, it was a moment where I, I was really happy to be able to work with you and, uh, and Michaels and the city of New Haven and, and the current uh, president at M City, uh, Dr. DeBoer Walton. And, but I realized, Peter, what we went through to transform that community. First of all, when we first got there, that it had been maybe a decade when they were trying to be developed that community. And a lot of people had, had lost hope. That was a lot of despair. People didn't believe that we could do anything. If you remember those meetings, Peter, we spent a lot of time just trying to get people to have hope and have mm-hmm. belief and have belief that we could truly tr- help them transform their lives. And I say help them because at the end of the day, all we can do is like that spark and then people have to uh, help transform their own lives. And then there was this fence there uh, that separated Hamden from, uh, from New Haven. And I drove down the other side of that fence in, in Hamden one day and it was ominous. It was it was large, and I was thinking that this is twenty six and twenty seven and twenty eight, and I was thinking, wow. And I was thinking I grew up in Jim Crow, Alabama, but I had never really seen a fence separate a community. So I was all those things. So I was I really was what's the word of? I wanted to do something. So we spent a lot of time working with uh, HUD and Elm City communities, the city of New Haven, the town of Hamden, the residents on both sides of the fence. And that fence had been there for, I believe, uh, some people tell me 50 years. And we were able to get that fence taken down. And then the other day when I was over there, you could drive from New Haven into Hamden. You could go to the stores over in Hamden and it was hard to, again to remember that the fence was even there, but yeah. and now there are multiple streets that go into uh, Hamden from New Haven there, and I was just thinking that the whole thing of yes in my backyard, I can't think of a more 
appropriate place to attribute that acronym to than the situation that existed at that time in the West Rock community. So yes, in there, in my backyard, applies not only to integrating and diversifying other communities, it also means that we want to bring hope and rebuild those communities in which low-income people live as well. Because many of them don't want to move to other communities. They don't want to move to other towns. They want to stay in their own town, in their own neighborhoods, with their own churches and their own stores and their own grandmothers. So one thing we've been able to do, Peter, is over the last decade and a half, we've been able to rebuild those communities so those people can stay in their own communities and raise their children in their own communities. And uh, I'm very happy about that. So I say yes in my backyard. Yeah, that's great. You know, when we did the master planning for the Brookside and Rockview communities early on and planned what the new communities would look like, replacing the former super blocks of barrack style federal public housing that was built there in the early 50s, we could see how important it was to create a connection, a street connection between the new community of West Rock and Hamden, because that's where the services were. That's where the shopping was. And it would take people 20 minutes to drive from where they lived in this neighborhood around and around and around to get to where the shopping areas were in Hamden that were otherwise, you know, six to eight minutes away if you had a direct connection. So it, it would really was was important to the quality of, of life for the folks moving back into this neighborhood. And as you say, it, it took literally decades to envision and go through a couple of different planning processes and eventually create a partnership between the housing authority and a private developer and put together the financing to undertake a complete sort of transformation of those former public housing communities. You know, I, I had a, another experience which was a little bit different when I worked with Mutual Housing of Southwestern Connecticut. We found a beautiful piece of property that was on the border of Bridgeport, but in Trumbull. So it, it was adjacent to, you know, good amenities, shopping, things like that. But it was in the town of Trumbull, not in Bridgeport. So we had to get zoning approval from the town to undertake the development of 44 units of affordable housing. And we met pretty fierce opposition. This was back in the mid-90s. So the organization felt it was important. That was really the mission, was to create affordable housing opportunities in communities throughout South Southwestern Connecticut, not just in the cities. So we pursued that. And eventually, using Connecticut's 830G legislation, was, was able to overturn that zoning denial went back in, we actually were denied a second time for a wetlands permit, were able to persevere and, and get past that as well through the courts. It took five years to get the approvals for that project, but that project was eventually built. And you know what? Despite that NIMBY reaction to this affordable housing community coming into a suburban community, the town of Trumbull once they saw how the organization operated in doing that development and the families who moved in there, they invited mutual housing to come back and they provided a piece of property for them to develop as an affordable senior development in Trumbull. 
So that became, it turned a NIMBY community into a YIMBY community just through the process of that experience. And we've seen that over and over again throughout the country, the people's fears about the other, about, you know, the people who don't look like them, don't drive their cars coming into their neighborhoods is going to somehow threaten their quality of life. But time after time, we find that the direct experience of working and living in the same communities, people very much change their attitudes about affordable housing and the value of it. So that was one example right here in Connecticut that I wanted to point to because it really did have a very positive outcome. So when people are open-minded, even the Yambis, when they're open-minded and with the story of the Trumbull and with the story of the Hamden, if you look at the change that already, did, 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 what it transpired to today, it has changed thousands of lives. And it's all because the Yambi being persistent and not giving up. I'm sure it cannot be easy getting zoning. And as you mentioned, you have to fight that battle over and over and over again. But that is that perseverance that we have to continue because we know and we've seen these examples that when change, this type of change happens, positive things happen. And it changes thousands of lives, if not millions, if you're looking at this in, in, in such a wide um, variety. So I'm hoping that, you know, with this particular podcast, those that are listening and those that are new to the Yembe and, and the Nimbi Nation will start to maybe associated with their own lives, with their own stories, and start to understand, at least to have an open mind to be receptive to the change, at least to listen. And I think that's been lacking over the years, which is why uh, the Yembe Nation was developed, because of all that resistance that has been going on for years. Yeah, and I hope we can bring on other guests who can share their experience related to housing as to how this has made a difference in communities, the efforts that they've undertaken or been involved with. I know we're looking forward to interviewing as our first guest, Dr. Karen Bois walton who's the executive director of the Elm City Communities in New Haven. And she has such wonderful experience to share in terms of the efforts that she's undertaken there. And we look forward to having many other guests in the future that can help enlighten our audience uh, about what they've been able to accomplish in their, their various capacities. That's great. Jimmy, any last words? <laughs> Let me say that thank you for this opportunity. Blame you for this opportunity. But I, <laughs> because when we began discussing this, I was like, this is not going to happen. And I was just entertaining it because I thought it, that the thought was just would go away. But here we are today. And I am really excited to be with the two of you. I'm really excited to be able to hopefully share some of my thoughts and my ideas about uh, not only about housing, but again, about healthcare and about diversity, all those things that are connected to to improving the lives of of people. So I want this podcast to be uh, provocative. I want it to be stimulating. I want it to be exciting. But I also want us to help individuals think, open up their, their minds. I pride myself as being an educator, an educator. And I know when I teach a class, there's nothing more exciting than at the end of the semester when a student comes to me and says, hey, you opened my eyes up to something I never thought about. That is so exhilarating. 
So if we can get one person, just one person listen to this podcast and tell us that, hey, I never thought about that thing in that way, then I'll be happy that you got me into this endeavor. That's beautiful, Jimmy. I mean, it'd be so cool to actually come away having influenced, you know, a couple of people to maybe get involved in this field. It's not a field that I think most young people think about as being a, a, a viable career. And yet it very much is if one discovers it and finds that they have a passion for it like we do. Thanks for joining us and listening to today's episode of Yimby Nation. Continue the conversation in your communities and on social using hashtag Yimby Nation. Connect with V at www.vaceconstruction.com. Connect with Jimmy at www.sincereconsulting.com. And connect with Peter by searching Collaborative Development Consulting on LinkedIn.com. Please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform so we can continue helping communities thrive. Email us at contact at yimbynation.com or visit the podcast website at www.yimbynation.com. Until next time.